KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. And back together here. Happy Saturday. We are off and running. Two hours, no guests, all you, ten phone lines. The topic today is yours. Your question, that thing you've been waiting all week or weeks, you know, I'm, I'm going to call that guy on KMWX, see what Scott thinks of this. This is the time, this is the place, this is the radio station. Family of KMWX, welcome. We're having a family reunion every Saturday morning from 11 till 1 in the afternoon. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show, and we have two full hours. So bring it on. Let's have some fun. Everybody with this weather is into something around the home, preparing it for the winter, putting away the summer, getting some of the winterizations necessary. We are ooh, yeah, we're, we're sneaking up on leaf season now. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it, beautiful as it is, it does come with a little bit of responsibility. But those things are important. So I'll take you on a walkabout around the house. I would encourage you each weekend, primarily before this show, uh, I'm kind of a hot coffee sort of guy, so I get out with my little cup of hot coffee and I walk around the house for my little walkabout. I am looking for various things, si- signs of illness, something not quite right, out of place, may take some attention, homeowner maintenance, might need something on a professional skills level, all of that, just looking for it, just like we do on our own medical care. We can't really be doctors, but we are more or most aware of what's happening with us and we know sometimes we just have to get a professional to look at it make sure things are doing okay phone lines for you today two hours and all day on the KMOX uh, home improvement show two hour time 314-436-7900 toll free anywhere on the globe 800-925-1120 800-925-1120 when i say anywhere on the globe this signal gets out to about a five or seven state area around the st louis area so those of you in iowa springfield missouri uh lexington kentucky uh, uh, areas out into illinois of course Our broadcast tower is actually in southern Illinois, so the radius goes not from downtown St. Louis, where our broadcast studio is, but from that tower site where the signal is originated. 50,000 watts, uh, blowtorch of KMOX, and indeed, well, voice of the Cardinals. Yeah, still here on KMOX. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Uh, so bring on the phone calls, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. I know it's a beautiful morning. There's a lot to do. Uh, and we are out and about with all those things that affect us here on KMOX. So anyway, keep that in mind. Um, you know, it is a pretty nice day. It's going to be a pretty nicer day. Uh, cool. And uh, we're sneaking up on a little bit of wet weather coming up here starting tomorrow and into the week. So just be aware, today is the Mac Daddy of getting ready. Uh, those of you that are interested in sealing your driveway, whether asphalt or concrete, I'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, sealing your 
patio, sealing your deck, um, getting prepared for the winter, the snow, the ice that season. Remember, that does include uh, winterizing your lawnmower. When you're doing leaf work around the house, make sure you clean those air filters because when you mulch up those leaves, that's kind of my thing. I mulch them up into a tight pile, put them into the bags, and off we go there. Uh, Or actually trash cans. I'm not a bagger guy. I like just dumping them in the trash cans. And for that, then, you know, it kind of, I have to maintain more, more than normal because it gets a lot of dust from chewing up those leaves. So anyway, just be aware that, um, you know, there are things to happen around the house. Now, as far as sealing your driveway, sealing your concrete, sealing your asphalt, the weather or temperature of the surface, so the temperature of the asphalt, the temperature of the concrete, not the air temperature, you know, it's 55, 60 degrees today. Well, with that sun in the summer, we're right on the end, we're right on the cusp, C-U-S-P, cusp, right on the edge of temperature surfaces being optimal. So you want the asphalt to be 70 degrees Fahrenheit. You want the concrete to be 70 degrees Fahrenheit. You can put it on when it's 90. You can put it on when it's 50, but there are consequences of of those actions uh, and dry really matters. Uh, So anyway, I'll talk about that a little bit more as we get in throughout the day. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Last weekend, we had quite a bit of information exchanged about fire places and dampers please know please be aware when you're opening or burning a fire in your fireplace any kind of fireplace unless it's a sealed unit if you have a sealed piece of glass that can't be removed by anybody other than really with a screwdriver or professional that damper needs to be opened and i don't mean just a little bit a whole lot Uh, the issue is uh, last week was around the uh, damper and the gas log installation. The gas log installation, since there can be a pilot light, and usually is, there's a little bit of flame, therefore a little bit of carbon monoxide, and a little bit of need for venting. And that means, at least in the commonly accepted and in St. Louis County and City, the damper has to be um, held open. Usually there's a clamp that gets installed on that metal damper that does not allow it to fully close, so that you are you know, exhausting those carbon monoxide fumes up the fireplace. So just be aware of that. When you burn the gas log system, when you ignite it to full ignition where you're looking at the dancing flames and all that beauty, you open that damper fully all the way. And ideally, uh, I'll get a little bit more into about closing glass doors, why you have glass doors and the benefit. Long and the short of it is, is if you have a unit and you close those glass doors, for the most part, you stop the air from the inside of the house escaping up the chimney. And it forces that fireplace to draw its combustion air down the chimney, down the flue, and they're sized for that. So, you know, this size firebox, this size opening, this size, you know, fireplace is designed for that. Anyway, I'll get into that just a little bit more. Just be aware, um, it may have been one of the more important phone calls I took for the last year was, you know, carbon monoxide. We'll talk about that and more here on CAMWEX. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. When I come back, we're going to get right to the phone lines here on University of CAMWEX. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. 
Yes, indeed. We have two full hours. We are getting started. I have Bosco, my pet gerbil, over in the corner. He is on a you know, small treadmill, but that treadmill is, you know, connected to an enormous generator generating 50,000 watts of power and a little bit of help from Amarin. You know, occasionally Bosco wants to take a break and, you know, drink water, all that sort of thing. So anyway, we are broadcasting live right here. Phone lines are open. Bring them on 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at your service. My day job is Mosby Building Arts. We've been at it since 1947 we are design build remodelers we do just about anything residential uh, and we've uh, gone into specialties as well to where we actually have a part called uh, right bath and right kitchen which is kind of an express type um, you know non-gut kitchen sort of thing where you're changing cabinets and tops and floors and appliances you know the things you can see feel and touch but we really don't get too much into you know deep electric moving plumbing stacks you know taking out walls that's under the design build where you really need an architect so they're kind of two different um, teams if you will one that does the um, um, all kind of uh, cosmetic and the other that does changing the bones so that's uh, in the kitchen and bath area anyway we'll talk about that and more uh, let's go to John and see what's cooking with my friend good morning John thanks for getting us started here on Camwax. how can I help sir hello John are you there yeah I'm here oh. okay I didn't open a damper one time. I only did it once. You won't forget that. Oh, but anyway, how's the headache? I, I didn't get a headache. I, I got smoked out, though. But oh, uh, man. anyway, I took a, uh, two bedrooms and made it one. And I bought a, a stove. It's a Vermont Castings Defiant. Oh, yeah. Anyway, oh, baby. when I uh, combined those two bedrooms... I yeah. cut a hole in the wall into the cold air return, uh-huh. and I bought magnetic uh, vinyl magnetic strips so I could block off the cold air returns in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that Defiant, you can burn it as a stove or you can burn it as a fireplace. Yeah, fireplace yeah, those... is not too bad. Yeah. So anyway, I, uh, I got it up to about 650 degrees. It's big enough to heat a 2,200-square-foot uh, home. Oh, and yeah. it has a catalyst in it. It has yeah. almost zero emissions. So anyway, I get it up to about six six fifty, and which is way too hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean that yeah. was the stand. Yeah. And uh, starts to glow uh, up out there. You got a red, uh, you know, oven. Yeah, and uh, which is fine. I think it can go to seven hundred or seven fifty. But anyway, so I turned on my central air, mm-hmm. just a fan. Yeah, and I thought I could suck it through the cold air return and distribute it through the whole house. That should work, right? If you uncover all of your return ducts and your house is pretty tight, the problem with that is most houses don't have enough return air. So I'm guessing you're going to say it started sucking the the smoke right down your chimney, and and that's what happens because your blower motor on your furnace. If, if you're imbalanced, if you have, you know, 60% of return air and 100% of supply, that house, that furnace will make up that flow. It'll take, anyway, it's going to get the air from wherever it can. And that hole in your house called the flu, it will inhale through that exhausting or exhaling flu. I suspect that's where we're going. Well, I didn't get any smoke. Yeah. But 
it was so hot in there. I I put fans in to blow it out the doors in the yeah, bedroom yeah. to yeah. try to get it to, you know, distribute it throughout the house. Sure. I don't know. I guess I'll try it again. This is a couple years ago, but uh, it was just so hot in there. I really couldn't tell oh, if well, it was. Keep in mind that Vermont, a real stove, and this gets back to the pot belly stoves in the uh, log cabins and the you know sod huts uh, of the plains. Those stoves are so airtight, or can be closed down with the vents to be airtight, that they are an incredible positive heat generator, um, and can and will, when properly managed. Uh, create an enormous amount of heat. The problem, like you're describing, is there's no way. I mean, you're you're making twenty, thirty thousand BTUs in one room, and then you need all that ductwork, just like the furnace has, to get it throughout the rest of the house. I would turn that uh, fan on uh, long. I, I typically leave my blower motor running most all the time anyway when I'm in the house. And when you're doing that, I used to have a fireplace like this that actually ducted into the ductwork for just this reason because it could create so much heat well then you know we were opening the windows in the winter because it, we had so much heat i like a hot fire just like you do so you're exactly That's on the I right did. path yeah and it should work just be aware just be aware that most houses don't have enough return air so when you turn that blower motor on uh and you start seeing some smoke coming out of that stove, just crack a little window in that room where that fireplace is, and it'll draw well, through the window and not through your stove. When, when, you, when you turn it into a stove, you, cl- you close the doors, and it, it reburns the smoke through that catalyst. Yeah, It almost yeah. has zero emissions. Yeah, you yeah. know, it doesn't actually have a blower on it. The fans I was using was a, the fan for the central air, and then I put box Perfect. fans and all kinds of stuff in the room to try to move yeah. the air and the heat out. But it was so hot, I couldn't really tell. Well, you know, 650 it, degrees, John is, I mean, you, you're literally I, playing with fire. That's just too bloody hot, brother. Oh, I know. Well, the, the stove's designed, I think, to go to 700 or 750. Well, but yeah, I'm my like, car's designed to go 120 miles an hour, too, but I don't drive it yeah, 120. Right. <laughs> well, it's actually for a 2,200-square-foot home. Yeah. It should be in the basement. Yeah, but I put it in that bedroom for ambiance, and I just you know sure. when I'm when I'm really cold from being outside. If you burn it as a fireplace, it gets up four fifty. You know, yeah. yeah, and it's not too bad. And most of the heat's going out the flue, you know. But it does heat the room up. But oh, I was yeah. just trying to, to heat the house a little bit. But I might give it another shot. Maybe not let it get that hot. Yeah, your but, theory uh, is sound. You're on the right path, John. If if you don't have a problem with drawing smoke down that chimney, I'd run that blower motor all the time. I didn't see any smoke. Well, on you a know, on casting, they have gaskets on those doors, so you're oh, yeah. a high-quality unit. Oh, yeah, it's a real nice unit. It was about $5,000, I think. Yeah, yeah. And this was now, a number of years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, keep on keeping on. Your idea of using your furnace blower motor on fan setting to on, you're, right. you're there. I think that's going to work. Yeah, yeah. I had three cold air returns, two in the one side of the hallway and one on the bedroom side. And I took the one on the bed. I blocked them all off with those magnetic strips. And Don't I just block any the of them. Over. Don't block any of them because that's where your heat gets drawn into your furnace ductwork. Take those yeah, off. Yeah, but I just figured in that room, I didn't block that one that I put in. 
No, you know, no, 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 well, no. Ba- basically, you've got a 10% hole and a 100% system. Take yeah. all of those off when you're running that stove. Do not block anything. I'll, I will. I'll try it that way with nothing on them and just let it work the way it's supposed to. Yeah, take okay. your hand and cover 90% of your mouth and see how you like it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, like, I don't like the mask. But Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's my question. All right. Thank you. Good luck, John. Good idea. Keep up. Okay. All right. All right. Home Bye. Bye. And and it's kind of interesting because I I was flirting with it last week, but these stoves, what you and I might think of as a pot-bellied stove, some of them are um, uh, sheet metal. They're aluminum or steel, galvanized steel, um, and they're hundreds of dollars. And those are the things that might have been used out on, you know, the prairie. And then they're cast iron or iron units with um, kind of a fireproof gasket material, and you can screw close, you can open and close those air vents. So when you're starting the fire, you open them up, give them a lot of air, fire gets going. And then as it heats up, you close those down. And as you close those down, instead of inhaling through those vent sources on the side of a really high quality stove, which kind of closes up um, and it seals. So that's what, when I say a stove, I'm, I'm saying a burning unit with fuel that is pretty airtight. It will inhale or draw the combustion air down the chimney uh, because really, you know, for example, maybe you have a 10-inch flue. Well, it only needs about six or seven to exhaust, and so it can use the other five inches or four inches left over to inhale a downdraft of cool combustion oxygenated air. Anyway, there you go. Uh, Phone lines are open, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby standing by for your cause. Let's talk with Mary. Hey, Mary, good morning. To ca- welcome to Camp Good morning, How may I help? Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, I kept hearing a tap, tap, tap around my house. Could never find out where it was until yesterday. I see I have woodpeckers that are making in my, they must be cedar support for yeah. my upper deck. What do I do to deter them from coming and making holes in my support? Well, they're making holes in your supports because they're either going for the bugs or they're trying to make a nice place to live. So either way, they feel very safe and comfortable in that area. If you turn the food chain around on them, for example, i.e. have a hawk hanging by, um, maybe an owl, and they get the idea that maybe it's not so safe anymore, they're about to be somebody else's breakfast. That's the best way to go at it. I'll I'll get into it a little bit more, but suffice it to say, you know, you put... killer stuff on it i've even hung rubber snakes up in trees which you know when those blow when the wind blows and those things start dropping you can really startle a neighbor or you know somebody even me when these rubber snakes start dropping out of trees but the point being is make them feel unsafe uh and that's typically a predator of sorts uh okay uh is there some way i can plug those holes up i mean one's probably two inches in diameter yeah, once you get two inches. Yeah, well, I would leave them now until you uh, get uh, the sense that, the you know, that's where these plastic owls come from. The problem is, is these birds are pretty smart. So they'll, you know, if, if the owl never moves for five or six months, they know it's not alive and, and they'll come right back. But the point being is 
don't go patching things until you have this problem solved because your feedback is if the if the woodpecker keeps coming then you need to do something you need to up your game to you know a big ugly looking hawk that uh looks real life size and and i've seen people pay two three hundred dollars for some of these artificial things i've got a funny story where i went to a house down by the merrimack river in the fenton area for something with mosby building arts um they were doing a remodel and as i went to the door i heard hawk sounds and this guy was an IT guy, and he had wired the entire exterior of his house, so he had speakers and wires around the outside of his house emitting these sounds of predator birds, and that's how he managed his woodpecker problem. So that's that. You know, that's just another way of make those birds feel like they're breakfast and not comfortably welcome. Okay. Well, thank you for your tip, and I appreciate your show. Okay, Mary. Take week. care. Bye-bye. Bye. And, and so anyway, to follow up on this, I said, you know, it's pretty neat. I said, how did you do this? Well, this is back, be, you know, he, he was going to commit a, a computer to do this. And he said, oh, I just put a portable CD player and I, you know, recorded some of this, you know, these sounds off the uh, Internet. Or I think he did it with a microphone at the time and he recorded it on that CD. And he just had that CD on an automatic tw- play that, you know, every 20 minutes it would play for five or ten. And I said, well, how you doing? How? it work he said works like a charm and he'd been doing it for two or three years i thought that was one of the more clever ways of getting rid of woodpeckers who you know because he's out in the woods had a wood house you know wood blends in with the forest i mean it was just a bucolic beautiful place uh and you know he just didn't necessarily uh want the woodpeckers hammering up his house phone lines open for you right now 314-436-7900 toll free 800-925-1120 beware old man winners just around the corner you feel it when you're uh i don't know like me going to sleep with those windows open you know 55 degrees is a little chilly about three four o'clock in the morning so uh you know as it's getting a little chillier um mother nature's reminding you winter's just around the corner so anyway to that point go outside and especially going into leaf season uh, look at the top of your house look at the roof see if there are any sticks leaves uh, anything that shouldn't be up on the roof of your house particularly check your gutters because in the changing seasons we normally get more rainfall than others so when we're going from hot to cool or cool to hot you know spring and fall we get more than our fair share of rain so look in your gutters if you have little Plants, sprouts, anything growing out of your gutters, newsflash, that's bad. Uh, Get somebody up there to clean this out for you. But make sure that the systems you have are working. In business, there's a term called inspect what you expect. So if you think somebody's supposed to do this, make sure you provide the oversight to inspect, to check in, to make sure they're up on it. You know, those of you that are parents, that's kind of the deal with kids. You know, we tell them to do it. And then you just want to make sure, well, I know they heard me, but, you know, I want to check in and make sure I want to inspect and see if I'm getting what I expect out of their homework, they're getting home on time, things like that. So around the house, if you have a gutter system and you think it's working, might be nice to kind of peek out at those downspouts when you have a nice rainfall. And I know not everybody's built quite like me. I put on my raincoat and I go outside with my little rain hat and I walk around and I look at my downspouts and all the water's just flushing out of those downspouts. 
system's working fine. I like that. I even have pipes down, you know, piped underground. You know me, I'm a water guy. But I've got a place where I can see and hear the amount of water coming down. So I inspect that gutter system and downspouts to make sure they're not plugged up or whatever and make sure I'm getting what I think it is. But that's the point of the walkabout on your home. Make sure what you think is happening really is because many of these phone calls that we get here at KMOX and at Mosby Building Arts during the week too um, is some about a third of the time we find out that what we already have solved you know there's something that's been purchased or a system that's supposed to take care of that just isn't working you know or plugged up or needs a little bit of maintenance or whatever so anyway that's what's important uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 Helitech Home Improvement Show Scott Mosby at your service we'll be right back for more phone calls right after this Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together being outdoors. Yeah, Suburban Leisure Center. Yeah, that's for now. Right now, this tis the season for chilling outdoors, afternoons and evenings. Oh, tell me all about it here. Uh, we've got some seminars here for those of you looking for more information all about siding, roofing, windows and doors. Uh, that's coming up next Wednesday, October 21st. It's a webinar. So for your safety and ours as well, it's a webinar. You can log in from anywhere you want. Sign up for that on callmosby.com, the website, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y, or you can type it all out, mosbybuildingarts.com if you want to. Uh, but last week we had the great debate, tub versus walk-in shower. You see these, you know, tubs being sold. They're the greatest things since sliced bread. Well, you know, you Anyway, there, that was the topic there. And coming up here uh, in a couple of weeks is Unmasking the Hidden Truths about home remodeling reality shows. HGTV, who's paying for all that stuff? Are those prices true? Or is it just Hollywood? We'll find out. Again, you can log on and check out callmosby.com or mosbybuildingarts.com. And we've got them going through all the way through November and, and also topics that are pertinent and timely at that time. Uh, let's see what's cooking with my friend Betty. Hey, Betty, good morning. Welcome to CamWex. How can I help you this fine day in the middle of the country? Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Betty couldn't be better. Great. I have a question. <coughs> Excuse me, yeah. I have allergies, so I'll be oh, a little yeah. froggy at times. Uh, right. I made my driveway uh, caulk, you know, the, the stuff you put between the cracks and everything. Uh-huh. And I started uh, early in the spring, and then because of the virus and everything, and I'm so confused. I had gotten so many different ranges of prices from like five hundred to like three thousand, five thousand, mm-hmm. and so I just dropped it for a while. But I know I need it done. Is it too late to have it done this year? Uh, no. Is this a concrete drive where you're where you're actually caulking? Yes. Yes. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. That you're basically buying a paint job. Mm-hmm. And painting prices go exactly the same way. Uh, and for those of you that are do-it-yourselfers, depending upon what you expect, these prices from $500 to 5000 really describes the surface and pre-work and the preparation. Mm-hmm. For example, in painting a house, you know, painting a house might take two weeks. Well, of that 
10 work days, say, probably eight of those days are scraping, priming, power washing, putting a uh, conditioner on that surface. And then the last two days, only a fifth of the time is applying the paint. So if you wind up with somebody who just comes in and starts caulking the joints, Mm -hmm. it's very inexpensive because they're not spending a lot of time. They may use the same material. So the specifications or the sheet music that they claim they're all using, they're using the right product, they're putting it in the right way, they're using it in the right depth. But if they don't get it ready, and and what I describe is, and my wife hates this one, it's like putting deodorant off without taking a shower. (laughs) Have you solved the problem or you just kind of cover it? So again, there's your difference between 500 and 5,000. And and, and that's, it's most evident in paint jobs for me. And, you know, when, I I mean, anytime the painters show up, you know, they're just going to do boring things for the first four or five days. You know, they're going to patch the plaster, caulk and fill the holes in the baseboard and, you know, all those sorts of things. And then the last day they spend three, four hours, all of a sudden the room looks like just got painted. Well, it did, but it's a different outcome and you kind of get what you pay for. So that's, that's the range. That's the range. And it's not too uh, late to have it done uh, this year. No, the caulk, you can do caulking on that because it will cure it. it it's, a, it's a chemical cure. So once you expose that urethane caulking, the high quality stuff, and, and some people use different quality levels of caulk as well. Um, and uh, the, the caulk has to be 70 degrees. So where I said your temperature for sealing and coating needs to be 70. With caulking, that's not so much true because it's only hold, sit, touching a, a small area of your concrete. So yeah, you can do this uh, on down, but you're, you're getting into the last month because that caulk, the colder it is, the longer it takes to cure. And although we tend to put dry sand over the top of it to make it look like the rest of the concrete, uh, and then you can walk over it. Um, I've seen it, you know, we were at a house doing work and it was a a fabulous home and the homeowner jumped in a car, backed out and drove down the driveway right after the caulker guys just caulked the driveway and it just tracked the stuff all the way down the driveway and he just forgot that that's what they were doing. What they were doing. Someone, uh, one of the people that came out told me that they would put uh, sand in it and uh, I think he said some foam that... uh, Yeah. Foam, yeah. Is, yeah, foam first, caulk second, and then the sand is just, all it is is just trying to get that gray or that chemical color like paint look into mm-hmm. something natural mother nature. That's the use of the dry sand on the top. Okay, I have one other question. My neighbor yeah. told me uh, that, you know, for the winter I could just put that uh, black stuff, you know, in the cracks. Is that, you know, and then have the job done next year? Is, is that? Well, not yes, you can, and no, you shouldn't, uh, because anything you put in there now just makes the cleaning and the sealing and the quality of the next job. Uh, so if you're just putting an almost good material on for a while, mm-hmm. that means that the surface prep needs to remove that almost good material when you do it. So I'd frankly, I'd just see if they can get it done in the next month, because a lot of these guys just carry the tubes around in their warm trucks, and mm-hmm. and then they'll you know do the prep before and show up in an afternoon and put it down. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Your company does it, right? Uh, we do. We do. Um, can I have the number? Of, I want to do... Uh, have someone do it that I can be reliable on it. Mm-hmm. You know, if my husband is not here any longer, so I'm learning sure. to do a lot of different things. So We we do uh, a lot of work for single, single women just because of the trustworthy and the, you know, we right. check everybody out and all that. 
And I'm yeah. used to listening to your program because I have it on the station. My husband always listened to the radio on, so I oh. listen to you every Saturday, too. So one other question. I want your uh-huh. phone number. But yeah. Will it hurt anything if I don't get around to having it done this year? Not really. Not really. It's a, It's okay. Okay. No, you're on the end of the end of the season, mm-hmm. and and again, rather than put something in for the winter, I would do nothing. Frankly, it's the heavy spring rains that get down underneath the concrete tend to erode away the soil under your concrete plates. So mm-hmm. it's really the spring that is more of a threat than the winter. Okay, but I would like your company uh, to come out and okay. uh, you know, not so much as give me a price, but just tell me uh, what to do and when to do it because. I, I I just want it done, and I want it done by a reliable company. And I just I just okay. I, our, I our thank you all. So okay. Thank you. Three one four. Three one four. Nine zero nine. So don't be concerned if I can't get it done. I would get it done this yeah. year, but the weather just may not be. It'd be better to do it in the spring than right. Well. With the COVID, I mean, we're in interesting times. So what used to take four weeks to get the material in and get surface prepped and all that now is taking eight. And sometimes we can't get the materials. So the biggest issue we and the entire industry faces is how long it takes to get stuff. Yes, yes. I yeah. know uh, my nephew's trying to get a refrigerator. Can't get there from here. Yeah, I know. Can, yeah. Okay, well, I can set up, have them come out, uh, give me a bid, tell me what they're going to do. I can tell them what I want to do and wait till spring, and if they are the material, everything will be ready for me to go Mm -hmm. into spring, and then they'll notify me, right, when's the best time to do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Okay, Betty. You're very kind. And it's 909-1800. Yes, ma'am. Two times nine is 18. And how do you spell your company? Mosby, M-O-S-B-Y, no E. Mo- okay, I was trying letters. to look it up. My nephew is trying to look up on Internet, and I just I spelled uh, it wrong. Yeah. Okay, okay. Thank you. You're a very kind man. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, this is the station for kindness, at least on the weekends, we like to think. And it's called the Self-Help Radio Shows. Mike Miller's a great example and glad to be part of this team. We'll be right back for more after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, revving up the 50,000 watts. Bosco is on point, baby. We are online, and we're talking to David. David, good morning. How can I help you, my friend? Thanks for calling on Saturday. Well, I wanted to give you another little uh, gutter tip. Yeah. Um, I'm a property man- maintenance company, uh, prop- uh, maintenance manager, and what we do, if the roof has any slope at all to it, mm-hmm. the best day to check, Another good day to check your uh, guttering is when there's no rain, but there's a heavy dew, Ooh. because you'll see little puddles of water in different places on your dry concrete or uh, whatever surface you have around the building. Yeah. Where it gets around the guttering, maybe the guttering's pulled loose a little bit, and water on a rainy day, you won't notice some of that water running down because everything's wet already. 
But if you've got a dry piece of concrete and a puddle of water, you can look up and see that you may have a little issue right in those spots. Yeah, maybe where the joint is leaking or a corner dripping or something. Right. Right. We only use seamless guttering, so most of the time we don't have anything except maybe a corner situation or the end of the run on that. But if you use the, like, big box stores that sell the pieces and you put it up yourself type you'll have you know any of your joints but it also can pull a little bit away from the fascia board mm-hmm. and then water can somehow get beyond behind it or if a spot rusts through or something so when it's dry you know when it's wet you're gonna the whole concrete's gonna be wet you won't notice that as easily yeah yeah good idea so when a heavy dew hits and that water starts dripping when it start water starts rolling gutter a little bit away from the gutter board you see a drip behind the gutter or any so just look on the ground and look for trouble huh right yeah any place where at least where it's concrete you'll be able to look up and see you'll also notice on a heavy dew that there at, at the end of your downspouts there'll be a little bit of water because there's enough on there that it'll run down if you've got any very much slope it may not on a real low slope roof but yeah. These newer homes all have pretty high pitches. Yeah, great idea. Yeah. Hey, David, thanks a lot. A little help from our family here. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. A little help from David, whose property maintenance knows his business. And look for the heavy dew mornings where there's just enough dew where the water starts to flow or the gutters leak, downspouts drip. And on the concrete, you can see the patterns where their water is where it's not supposed to be. Look up for trouble. Good. Thanks. Appreciate it, David. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, again, uh, I would like to invite you to a website, uh, actually callmosby.com, how to brighten your basement. Or another topic I'm going to get into this next hour is as the outside of the house becomes ever more important during the winter, rain, snow, ice, all that stuff, answer those questions for a great front entry. So if you are from St. Louis and you know of the hill, the hill is a place where those homes were kept and the front porches, the front yards were just picture perfect. My wife and I used to kid that basically on the hill, driving through the hill right after church in church clothes, we've past several homes where, and this is some years ago, the woman would be down with scissors trimming the sidewalk and the the lawn was just impeccable. And uh, so anyway, the issue is back as that area neighborhood knows, the front entry, the front door, the first impression is the lasting impression. So three great questions for a great front entry and that's kind of what uh, has always been known by these special neighborhoods that come with uh, Scrubby Dutch. German is very much for those of you in the St. Louis area. Scrubby Dutch means Scrubby Deutsch and I'm from both of those neighborhoods if you will. So uh, golly, you know, Scrubby Deutsch I'm that. Anyway, you throw a little OCD in there every now and again and, you know, call it good. But anyway, this is Scott Mosby on KMOX. Stay tuned for Hour 2 of the Helitech Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Suburban Leisure Centers. The time to be outside is now on some of that cool furniture. Stay tuned. More coming. KMOX. KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. 
All right, back together, lunchtime, bean time, top of the hour. It is beautiful, beautiful Midwestern company, country. Hey, if uh, if you don't like the weather, look outside. It'll change. Well, <laughs> this is the time we hope it changes, too. Oh, yeah. Phone lines, 314-436-7900. Phone lines, 436-7900, toll free, 800 800- 925-1120-925-1120. If you have to go and you're leaving your radio or you go somewhere, you can take radio.com, R-A-D-I-O dot C-O-M, radio.com. It's an app, A-P-P, which stands for application, a little portable thing that goes on your smartphone. You have to have a smartphone, know how to turn it on. And you can tune in and listen to KMOX 24-7 radio.com take me with you or better yet if you have to deal with the responsibilities in your life and you can't tune in all the time that i'm on you can go back and podcast meaning we record these shows you can go back in the past you know so six months from now you can come back and what was that caulk he talked about now the issue is which saturday was he? you have to kind of know that but you can go back and listen to past shows past topics and as well there's a, a button on there instant rewind which means you zip back 20 seconds so right now you can hit that button on radio.com and it goes back to what i was saying 20 seconds ago kind of cool yeah radio com radio.com of course and you go straight to the website kmox.com and we've not got a new whiz bang website that kind of makes listening even easier oh yeah indeed and again in these times when things change uh we at kmox and the family and over the century the past century we've been with you we've been with you good times and bad and we adapt and make radio relevant and the information good for you so that's why i'm here i'm here to help uh so speaking of that uh phone lines 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 my name's scott mosby my day job is mosbybuildingarts.com we're 70 something years old i'm a second generation builder remodeler we have a full team of architects and designers and we are what's called vertically integrated which means we have a whole bunch of carpenters a bunch of painters we have plumbers electricians we have all those trades in-house as employees of Mosby Building Arts, and it makes how we do things a lot more fun for us, and that is because it's a lot more reliable for you. I mean, everything in one place. You don't need to run around here. You don't need to go buy this material. Now, you do have to pick things out. We need to know what you want, and we go with you shopping when you want us to go. 314-436-7900. We can talk about how we do go about doing all those things here on CAMWEX. But right now, let's go talk with my friend Gail and see what's cooking. Hey, Gail, good afternoon. Welcome to lunch on CAMWEX. How may I help you? Hi, Scott. Okay, Hi. so here is my question. Um, I don't know who to call to help me out. Uh All right, so some background, I got a new roof in March. Okay. And let's see, probably within the last month or so, I started to smell a bad smell Uh that I finally pinpointed to underneath my sink, my kitchen sink. Okay. Now, there's a panel in the back of that area, I don't know what you call it, but it has holes in it, so there's air that can come up from the basement. Okay. And um, I don't 
I smell it when, like, I run my dishwasher uh-huh. or if I have the washing machine going in the basement and then the water empties, then I might smell it underneath the sink. Uh-huh. Or if I flush the toilets on the first floor or the second floor. But I can't find any leaking water. There's nothing that appears to be wet. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend suggest that maybe um, somehow there's a backup of sewer gas when I, I do something with water mm-hmm. that might be sucking sewer gas. So I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. How old is your house? <laughs> Roughly. I think it was built in 1938. 1938. Okay. So your plumbing, have you ever had the cast iron stacks replaced in your house? Have you ever ripped out walls to replace pipes? Yes, I have PVC. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, Two things. Number one, uh, you're not alone. You are not the first. Uh, I've answered this question many, many, many times, uh, and it's okay. So um, we'll get this done. Um, Number one, you know, peppermint extract at the grocery store, you buy it for a dollar, two dollars in the, you know, baking aisle. Yeah. If you if you put peppermint extract and you flush it down your toilet, any place there is a break or a pee trap not with liquid in it, where you smell peppermint will be where you have some sort of a breach. Um, and oh. I, and if you have PVC pipes, um, I mean, humans put that stuff together. Um, my father built a home years ago for himself. 20 years later, he had a leak in a pipe where the plumber forgot to solder on the shower head. And he wound up with a water leak. Well, it took 20 years for that dry fit pipe that never was sealed to, to leak. So my point is, is with your new PVC piping, they might have dry fit it and never really gone back to glue it up. So little things like that, and then it pulls apart and you wind up with a, uh, an odor. Anyway, the point being, the reason you're getting this smell is, Gail, when you're pumping hot water out of your dishwasher or your clothes washer, you're heating up that odor. So the gas is getting more um, uh, 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 moving through the air. Uh, so okay. it it gets smellier, um, and and when you put the peppermint down, you may not smell any other peppermint. But likewise, there's another cause for it, and it's real common in kitchen sinks. The inside of your pipes, by your bowls, by the sink, may just be grease laden, and the inside mm-hmm. of your pipes can stink, and you have no problem with your plumbing system at all. You just mm-hmm. may need to pull those those pipes down below your sink out and either replace them or scrub them out with a bottle brush because the stuff, you know, the oil, the grease, you know, just washing hands, body oils, all that stuff. And this is true in a bathroom, in a sink, in a shower, and especially in the kitchen sink. You can get enough smelly, gooky grease lining the inside of those pipes. You can make a pretty nasty smelling drain hmm. without having a big problem. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. All right, because I, I thought, well, I don't know if when they put the new roof on, if they disturbed, you know, a stack or... or it's something. possible. But I would 
I would start with your um, I would start with your roofing company and tell them this and say you called the guy on KMOX and just say, do you mind just coming out and just sticking your head up in my attic? Make me feel better. Um, <laughs> you know, you guys did a great job on my roof. Just come up because it, it's common. I mean, it's it's common to cover over flu pipes, um, plumbing stacks. You know, it's it's not good, but either way, you know, humans make errors. Yeah, I don't have um, a, a, a attic space. It's just okay. um, the roof, and there's a little bit um, between probably the roof and then the upper yeah. part of, of that story. But, yeah, there's no way I think a person could get in there. So Well, they can also right. go up on the roof and look for a pipe where there's supposed to be one. You know, so, yeah. but you would smell that throughout the entire house not necessarily under the sink at the drain Uh at you know so that that would be a general smell where if you had peppermint peppermint would be everywhere in the house instead of a local odor but peppermint's so unlike everything else and it's so pungent um that you know you dump it down a toilet or or a drain nearby uh it better a toilet you can put it down a sink but the issue with that is it takes a while sometimes that smell will just hang there in your p-trap at the bottom of the sink but i would scrub off the inside of those pipes especially if you're a cook okay all right so the uh, peppermint oil i should check but start with the toilets and see if i can smell it any place yeah, and okay. that tells you whether you have piping problems. I suspect you don't. I suspect you just have a bunch of gooky stuff stinking in those drains. Okay, very good. All right, thanks. That helps a lot. Okay, Gail, take care. Bye now. Thanks. Bye. And there we go. Uh, so this peppermint is courtesy of one of our family, one of the KMOX listeners, uh, probably 20 years ago. So that's one of my most favorite ones and i've uh years ago i used to talk you know well set off a smoke you know there's smoke tracers that msd uses to see where the drains pop up and all of that so i'm telling you smoke and lady calls and she said you know just some peppermint uh extract will do it and the plumber calls up like yeah we've been doing peppermint extract for decades you know where are you so anyway that's a courtesy of our listeners here on kmwax stay tuned more coming up phone lines open 314-436-7900-436-7900 900 toll free 800-925-1120 this is the helitech home improvement show sponsored in part from suburban leisure center the time of year is now for that right here on kmox all right middle of the day lunchtime bean time put a few shrimp on the barbie strap on the feed bag let's eat it is lunchtime it is kmox middle of the country middle of the day Oh, and middle of the chilly season right here. We're not yet to winter. We are now done with summer, and we still get the best of both. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. One of the topics uh, on callmosby.com website for my day job, if you will, the tips to brightening your basement, some of the cool things that are done, how to pick the right floor for that. You're below grade. You're on concrete. Very important that, you know, you spend it once. You know, people say, well, gosh, that's pretty pricey. And you say, well, if you think that's pricey, try Try paying for it the second time because the second time, if you don't get it right, now you're going to pay for it twice. And 
get it right the first time. That's why we do the design build process. Uh, and this goes back to my father, founded the company in 1947. Uh, when architects did full and complete sets of plans, life was good, everything was great. Well, then as the, the design fees, the architectural fees got squeezed down and squeezed down, squeezed down, what happened was they just did more abbreviated plans or they didn't do specifications or they wouldn't pick out uh, products. Well, it doesn't matter if there's a picture. We want to know what the materials are. So the specifications, whether that is artificial decking, whether that's real wood, red wood, epay, uh, what the coating that goes on it, what size the door is, what's the doorknob finish, whether it's lever or not, those are specifications. And, you know, people say, well, we just bid and you're all working from the same specs, so it's all the same. Well, that's like saying that everybody who plays the Star Spangled Banner has the same sheet music. But not all of them sound like Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops. There you go. Some of them sound like Roseanne Barr, if you remember that. It's all the same sheet music. The specifications are all the same. So again, it's not what you have, it's how you put it together. So anyway, that's why we do what we do, so that we get an, a voice in that design part of the project, because the reality is we are responsible for warranting the performance and the long-term quality of that job and if that's happening without our vote on products, processes, methods, flashings, roof materials, you know, quality of subcontractors, trade partners that we use, you know, how, how do you know what you're getting? So, you know, when you have somebody that just says, you go buy everything and I'll put it in, that means they're offloading their experience of what are the best products to you. And that's why we do what we do. So uh, we are a full-service remodeler, considered one of the better ones in the country uh, by people away from our town. In town, we're just the same old schmoes. Everybody sees us the same way. But, you know, once you get us out of town, people realize, man, you've been around a long time. You've been doing this this way. Uh, let's see what's happening with Chris on uh, KMOX here. Chris, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can I help? No, thank you, Scott, for taking my call. I have a deck that we put first. We put on it Thompson's paint at uh -huh. work, and then we went with bare deck over. Oh boy, that didn't work either, and I cannot get it off. I mean, it started peeled where the where the sun was hitting it, and then the other places, it, it, yeah. I can't get it off. Is uh, there any way we can get this off? Yeah, you have to replace the decking. Oh, my God. That's the long and When you put now the Thompson's water seal, the Thompson's paint, the more you make this look like a paint, the prettier it looks the first time, Chris, um, the more maintenance comes with it. So uh, that's why having a semi-transparent stain is so common. It never really looks really good, so then it never really looks really bad. But once you put that deck over product, that's like a membrane thickness. Not only do you have splotches of finished and unfinished, you've got divots, thickness issues with that. And the only way is either to totally sand that whole deck, and which is impractical, or to replace that decking. But that's this is a perfect example of products that are easy to sell. So I call it sells good, lives bad. Oh. You've been in houses where you walk through the foyer and it's grand and two sweeping staircases up there and it just literally takes your breath away and you go, oh, wow, sells good, 
live there for a few years, you realize, my gosh, my bedrooms are much smaller than the foyer. Lives bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for your help. I appreciate it. Yeah, I wanted to take you to that one because, I mean, you can do other things and people have because sometimes you don't have the pocketbook to dig back down and replace the decking. But the only way to go about this, if you need to, is put the bare deck over in those patches again, try and buy yourself some time. The problem is the wood is telling you that's where the moisture is getting in the wood and coming out. And not all wood is created equal. You've got, you know, construction heart redwood. You've got the pithy P-I-T-H stuff, which is out by the bark on the outside of the log which is very very porous and then you've got the knot holes that doesn't hold anything you know so just in one board you really have four different kinds of lumber and getting one coating material to do that just you know so whatever you're going to do count on doing it again and then design that into your process so maintenance is part of the life cycle of that design See what I mean? Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome, Chris. Sorry for the bad uh, uh, turn there. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Now, uh, we have a uh, seminar coming up here, believe it or not, of uh, the uh, the Hidden Truths Between uh, remodeling shows or reality shows for like HGTV, scripts, networks, all that stuff. And the Bear Deckover is a perfect ex- example of a product that will take your breath away. I mean, it is beautiful when you're done. But the coating, the material, the product is fine. But it's being put on a mere mortal board that's usually old, kind of worn out. Some of it may be even a little rotted. And so it's on the last leg of its life. So when you get to the product warranty, the product is fine. Does the system work? Does the consumer come away with a high-quality deck coating that will last? No. But it's not the problem of that coating. So this is, again, this is why we do design build at Mosby Building Arts. I said, well, I want to put marble in my shower. We can do that. Marble comes with a higher amount of maintenance with that level of humidity. Uh, Go to 10,000 feet elevation in Colorado where it's very, very dry. You don't have those problems. Everything dries out real quick. Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's go to Paul. Paul, what's happening, my friend? Good afternoon. How can I help you? Yes, Scott. Uh, I have an April air humidifier on my air return. Yeah. And the the control is on a a wall in the basement outside of the furnace area. Yeah. And uh, the... uh, uh, you know, the dial, it's, uh, it goes from, like, minus 20 degrees to plus 50, mm-hmm. and nasty the colder than it's uh, uh, colder outside, lower, and vice yeah. versa. Uh, what should I set it like for an average? Because sometimes when it does get cold in the winter, and it, for, it's going to be like that for a few days or a week or something, I do remember, and I go down and change it. But yeah. for the most part, you know, you, you'd be running up and down, from one day 20 degrees and you know above and or 50 degrees and then so forth is there a other than doing it when it got real cold like in january that i lowered uh is there some average 
Yeah, I would do it once a month, frankly, Paul, uh, because typically 20 below means your furnace is running all the time and it's drying the air. So if you take the same amount of air at 50 degrees and you heat it up to 80, you drop the relative humidity because all those molecules of moisture move further apart. So your relative amount of water hanging in the air is much less, even though it's the same air. Well, when you pump a lot of furnace heat into a house, it takes the humidity out because it heats up the air. So more humidity is the colder temperature. So 20 below means I'm pumping a ton of water into your house. And so during January, I would put it, and if it's, you know, an average high temperature of zero, say, or 10 degrees Fahrenheit, um, you know, set it for that thing. But the lower you set it, the more humid your house will get, the more often that humidifier comes on. And the warmer it is, because typically in St. Louis, when it gets warmer, it also gets humid, you're kind of turning that humidifier off. So generally, if you just kind of match the, the general average high temp of the day or middle, you know, like... 60 degrees and if you don't like that feeling if your hands are still cracked or you know lips are dry you know just turn it down to a colder thing but i would not mess with that every day because the reality is you know right now it might be 55 in the morning and it could be 80 85 in the afternoon even so you know there's no right answer so okay let me me ask you about this because i think it's different my my control when it's Let's say twenty below, the uh-huh. humidity is really is really low. Also, is right? That, okay, because if you put a lot of humidity in, the the windows start sweating and everything else. That's so a good thing, right, though. When the temp, when that's the a good. That- that's a good thing that's that's the other thing your windows are always much colder than your walls even whiz bang million dollar windows will sweat if you get the humidity up high but if you're getting a lot of it then you turn your humidifier down or to a warmer temperature in your case right okay now there's another alternative here there are some really nice thermostats all this smart thermostat technology uh, I have one made by Honeywell and I set it you know for 35 percent relative humidity you know and I turn it off in the summer and in the winter time it it'll I mean when I set it at 30 percent I get 30 percent when I set it at 35 I get 35 and I bought this Wi-Fi thing to add on to it our heating and cooling guy put that on and I can change the humidity um, without even being at the house. Now, that may not be your thing, but being able to set the humidistat of literally saying, I want my house to stay here, that's an incredible luxury. I'll tell you, I like that. Uh-huh. So, okay, and the and the uh, control being in the basement, that, that still affects, uh, is that getting a good reading as far as what the no. house is? No, it, all it is is you're just turning the throttle up and down on how much humidity is going in there. That's what I mean, because with the thermostat, when it goes up on the second floor where ours is, you know, it's measuring the humidity there where I live, where I sleep, right. uh, not right. in the basement. So, I mean, again, that's, but, you know, that was five or $600 to get that done. It wasn't a cheap date, but, you know, humidity is sure. a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, Scott. Okay. Hey, good question, Paul. Thanks. April is a good unit, by the way. Do you make sure you change those, uh, clean those out, and change those elements every year? Yeah, I do that. Good job. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Sure thing. Thank you. Bye now. Home improvement, Scott Mosby, KMWX. You know what? Did I ever tell you? I love this stuff. I love this stuff. 
And here's the other secret. Don't don't tell the people at KMOX, I get paid to talk. I can't. Now, my, my wife will pay me not to talk, but I get paid to drink coffee and talk. What a gig. Hey, I'll be right back here on KMOX. Scott Mosby at your service. We'll be right back. All right, we are middle of hour two. Stay tuned for more CamWex action throughout the day. All kinds of experts all today right here on University of CamWex. Let's go to my friend and talk with Rich. Hey, Rich, good afternoon. Welcome to Bean Time Lunchtime, middle of the day here on CamWex. Hey, Scott, thanks for taking my call. We had a patio cover about 20 foot by 20 foot added to the back of the house. Mm-hmm. And we love it, and it takes a substantial amount of water uh, through the gutters when it rains. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to route that away from the middle of the yard, basically where the patio is. So I have about 25 feet of very flat yard, and then there's just a very small slope after that. So what would your suggestion be on the best way to move that away from the house? Uh, pipe it, number one. Uh, right. The problem is you're not going to be able to pipe it and exhaust it and get rid of the water. Um, the issue, if you have the fall, you need a quarter of an inch fall per foot, no less than one-eighth. So an eighth of an inch to a quarter of slope on the pipe for every 12 inches. So on a 10-foot section of smooth wall PVC pipe, you're going to drop that slope somewhere between two inches and two and a half inches from one end to the other. So if you've got, say, 50 feet um, and you've got so 10 sections of of, uh, five sections of 10 foot pipe, so you've got five times two inch, you need at least 10 inches and ideally more like, you know, 15 or 16 inches of drop from underground and that you know you're not starting from the surface of the of the uh, yard you have to bury that pipe deep enough that the grass grows over the top so it needs you know three four inches of soil and then some grass and all that so the bottom of your pipe usually starts eight to ten inches down four inches tall puts it up you know about four inches from the soil and you're still going to have you have to irrigate that because there's not enough soil to hold the moisture so long and the short of that uh, you can condense that water flow as you have with this 20 by 20 roof cover into one downspout collect it the reality is you need pretty much a rain garden or a sump pit out in the yard so effectively you come out and you dig either an underground lake uh, in a tank or you fill it up with gravel so you might dig a you know and this all has to be engineered for how much rainfall you want to manage but basically you dig a hole you know five seven feet deep eight to ten feet wide and then you fill it up with gravel big big gravel no dust in between it at all so you create a big area to in to take that water and it dissipates it's kind of like a big drain field on a septic tank it it leaches out into the soil or you know puts the water back into the soil but if you get four straight days of rainfall what it'll do is it'll just overflow and that water will bubble up but it bubbles up out there in the back of your yard and you have to be 10 feet from any that the edge of that rain garden or sump if you will has to be 10 feet from every property line because you're taking that concentrated problem and exporting it to your neighbors. Okay. Well, that it would be a larger 
dig than I was expecting, but it might be the only way to go since, indeed, we have a, a, a lot of level yard to get past. There's no way to get it moving that direction. Yeah, I believe me, I feel your pain. And, you know, their pop-up, you know, people say, oh, just use a pop-up. Well, the ash, that what happens is your pipe goes down. Now it's about 16 to 20 inches deep. And then it comes up on a, a 90. And then you have this little green thing that pops up and lets the water out. Well, think about the winter. So that thing's holding a, a charge of water all right. the time. And in the summer, the critters start, you know, growing down there. And in the winter, it just freezes and splits your pipe. So, you know, it's you really have to you have to have a place to get rid of it. And that's where this uh, and water gardens are basically real. It's like putting a um, oh, just a high water content environment at the end of that pipe. It's a it's a big deal. MSD loves it because it slows down the runoff. It doesn't, you know. You know, in a reasonable rainfall, it doesn't overflow their uh, stormwater inlets. So you'll see a lot of energy from MSD on trying to slow down the flash flooding situations of runoff rainfall. And this is one of the methods. All right. Thanks for your help. Uh, long, long answer to a short question, Richie. Either way, but you got, you got, you're ready to do battle now, I think. All right. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Uh, how about Mike? Hey, Mike, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you, friend? Hey, Scott. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Uh, I've got this uh, older cabin, and it is uh, cedar, and it was uh, painted with linseed oil, yeah. or, uh, linseed paint, yeah. uh, many, many years ago. It's held up wonderfully well. Uh, it's due for a repainting. I'm wondering, uh, do you know where I can find linseed oil paint? or linseed paint in St. Louis area? Most of the linseed paint is made by decorators. A decorator is like one step up from a painter from 70 years ago. I had one of our clients just, uh, I said, well, you're a painter. No, I'm not a painter. I'm a decorator. Well, decorators made their own paint. Uh, they used to mix up the, uh, you know, the lead dust and the paint and all that. Well, linseed paint is basically linseed oil with, you know, a couple other things added to it to get the oil to soak in. You do need to power wash that log cabin. You need to uh, try and clean it out. The bad part of the linseed oil is it's an organic food source, so it will mildew and turn black. So that's what you're trying to wash off. Let it dry off if you're going to do with the linseed oil again. It is a very good coating, but generally uh, you're going to wind up going on the internet and buying a, a you know find or getting someone that will mix this for you. Uh, but I'm unaware where you can buy a linseed oil paint in high enough oil concentration to do what you're trying to do. Do you think it, uh, one person told me to go ahead and just put a coat of boiled, uh, uh, paint a coat of boiled linseed Linseed oil oil. to temporize this fall, and then worry about uh, recoloring it next year with another coat? Yeah, I would uh, I would do the bath first and then put that boiled linseed oil on there. But the reality is, you know, you're kind of greasing your house because this time of year that that linseed oil gets real thick. So uh, the the formula is something like, you know, um, three parts linseed oil, one part turpentine, and then one part something. You know, basically they're just trying to thin the oil to get it to soak in. And when it's really hot, that's the time to really do it because the oil soaks in the wood better but you'll you'll find there are um, forums on the internet of people that own log cabins 
get on there. It's amazing. This is this is a passionate, very active, very helping uh, group of people, and and some people live for this. And you will ask that question if you find the right forum, you'll get fifty answers in twenty four hours. Do you know if I can add a mildew side to that? Yeah, that's the other. Yeah, that's the part. You can add a mildew side, but when you're putting oil on, which is a food source. Uh, it just slows down when it turns black. How soon, you know, so the mildew site is a good thing to add, but basically you're painting your house with food. Appreciate your help. Okay, good luck. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Take a short pause. Be back for more right here on University of Camwex. You know, the good thing is I get paid to talk. The bad thing is sometimes I just don't stop. I'll be right back for more on Camwex. Oh, yeah, back together. Home Improvement. Scott Mosby at your service. I, I don't know if you've noticed it. I love doing this. This is great. Get together with 10,000s of my friends, 30,000 people get together, keep me smart, keep me on point. You know, I've got a producer yanking me in the ear saying, shh, 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 get up, shh, go on, fuck, answer it right. Anyway, so I am supervised here by Cole Duggar, my producer right now, K with a Cole with a K. So anyway, let's go to the phones and speak with my friend Mike with an M. Hey, Mike, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you? Hello, Mike. Are you Hi, there? Yes, Scott. I'm here. Okay. How can I help, sir? Well, we have a. Uh, we moved into a house two years ago, and the owners had built a room on the back of the um, garage originally, and it's a very nice room. It's drywalled in, uh, ceiling walls. It's about 15 feet by uh, 20 feet, and it has a concrete floor. And we were going to. Um, he used to have a wood shop in there, and it's got three windows, yeah. a window on both sides as you go in, and one in the back. And we were going to put a hot tub in there, and I was wondering, can I put two of those, like, exhaust window, uh, fan windows in two of the windows, and then another box fan, like, to create a jet stream to keep the humidity out, or am I going to have to do more than that? Oh, boy. You're 15 pl- by 20 room. Mike, you're playing with fire. Number one really? in, in St. Louis, I mean, literally, number one in St. Louis, your jet stream air coming in that window may be wetter, more humid than the room with the hot tub. So the issue of drying anything in anywhere within five hours of my voice um, with ambient air just doesn't work because of the Midwest high humidity in the summer and even in the spring and the fall. So... If you put a hot tub in this room, what happens is you own the humidity. You have to invest deeply in dehumidifying that air because if you're hot tubbing, you know, and you're doing this in the summer, you know, it's going to be too hot anyway. So you're going to need probably um, some sort of a portable air conditioner, which does much of the dehumidifying, and you're going to have to run a dehumidifier, or, you know, an electrically driven dehumidifier. And if you've got a 15 by 20 or 20 by 20 room with a hot tub in it when you're not using it i advise you close that lid because that drops down how much humidity gets into the air a lot um so so just to give you an idea building an indoor swimming pool we did we put a hot tub in a house for a man and woman years ago that knew they were going to lose their ability to drive and so we built it basically you know the heating and cooling system alone was something like 30 to forty thousand dollars in a small room 
Well, I mean, if you're going to do it right and you're going to meet the code and you're sure. going to manage this stuff and you're dealing with somebody, uh, you know, that might have respiratory issues. Anyway, my point is it's like building a high-end uh, wine cellar. It's a different thing. Now, there's an easier way with, you know, put this uh, air conditioner in there and run multiple dehumidifiers, which mean they continuously drain, which means you need a floor drain at least. But uh, you own it. If you close it up and you artificially pump moist air in there, i.e. have a hot tub or a pool, uh, it's important. It's a big deal. It, All it can't be Thank done. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm just trying to open your eyes to what you're playing with. It can be done because if you close that lid after use, um, you're going to drop down the amount of humidity enormously. So just, you know, whereas in a pool or well, the other pool, alternative. Yeah. The other alternative is uh, it was suggested that we have like a, a venting or like a, a exhaust fan put into the wall and then have like some gable vents on the outside of the room that would suck out that air. Yeah, but what goes back in is is humid air again. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's kind of like crawl spaces. We used to have them uh, where you just put vents in the two side and you call it good. Well, my gosh, the humidity down in those crawl spaces, everybody had a stinky, moldy crawl. Well, then we realized, no, you have to treat them like a basement. You put a swimming pool liner in there. Oh, by the way, when you do that, you have to put a big whiz-band dehumidifier down there to dry out the air because now you own it. So it's a, it's a... you're, you're, most of the most um, challenging, i.e. physics-laden answers I give on here are embodied right in that question you're asking me. How do I handle sure. an enormous amount of humidity in an, in an environment where humidity is already too, too, too high? Big, big but a deal. good amount of dehumidifiers may do the job, though. Yeah, yeah, you know, just because if you vent that thing, if you do it in the winter or it's kind of like now, lovely time to be in a hot tub, you open the windows up, well, that air is dry and delightful, Um, you know, so you don't really need to run this thing all the time, but, you know, if you, say, leave the lid on and you do this when it gets chilly, say 55 degrees in the morning, you open that window and you start venting. All those, what happens to those cold shoulders, wet shoulders, man? Those puppies get really cold really fast. You just can't submerge all the time to stay warm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I hear you. Okay, so it's doable. I think so I, you're welcome, Mike. Good luck, my friend. Have a good day. All right. All right. Home improvement. There we go. Uh, let's uh, see if we can uh, sneak Alice in here. Hey, Alice, Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Um, I have a question about my sprayer on my kitchen sink. It's not the kind that comes out of the faucet. It's the kind that's totally separate. Yeah, okay. When I I spray with it, it smells like sewage for the first few seconds. Yep. if, If I do it, you know, say one or two times a day, it does it every time. It has that awful smell. What can we do to fix it? Where is it coming from? Uh, uh, probably sulfur and buildup. You get a lime mineral deposit, which is really just a little chunk of limestone. And if you get a little sulfur in your water or any kind of smelly residue in the water at all, or just mildew, it just sits there in a warm, wet environment and, you know, smells. So uh, those sprayers are $10, $12 a piece. I would just have it changed, uh, but you're probably going to wind up changing them out every two years or three three years because it's a combination of what's in your water, the mineral in your water, and then it just happens to hit that sprayer. We live in the country, so we have a deep well. 
Yeah, there's your problem. Oh, yeah, okay. you've got sulfur coming out of that well. It'll cost you four to $6,000 to filter it, so it's not worth it. And that's that's bad. Okay, so now you're changing your sprayer every year and a half. It just kind of is what it is. Not a big deal. Okay. just takes more maintenance than normal. Okay, so if we had the kind of faucet that was, you know, attached to the the regular faucet instead of that uh-huh. separate sprayer, would that make a difference? Nope, you'd have the same problem because at the end of that spout, you still have air and water and mineral buildups and this sulfur. And sulfur's rotten eggs. That's the smell. Yep, so that's you just smells ha- like. Yep, you just happen to have a little chunk of lime that's holding that odor right there at the end of your sprayer. So it is what it is. When you say replace the sprayer, you, you're talking about just the, set, the part that's on top of the sink. You're not talking about the hose and everything underneath. Yeah, T- change the whole hose. Thanks for calling here on KMOX.